Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, Sean Shute and Jack Harper. The match it will be, we'll be discussing today is 1995's Die Hard with a Vengeance against 2014's The Equaliser. yippee ki how is everyone doing today? <laughs> Very good, you've waited a long good, time mate. to say wasn't sure the tone to go with. I, I didn't have a direct, aggressive yippee ki in me, so... No, nice fruitful. Not your style. Good word, fruitful. Hmm. Came into my mind earlier as I applied some uh, beard balm to my eyebrows, and I thought I'm feeling quite fruitful here. Okay, I'm going to let that one go. One of them pods, is it? No one, no one wants any uh, small talk today. <laughs> right, we'll guess. Usual way that people use fruitful. <laughs> Yeah, I was confused. Fruit. Well, it's also said, it's just, just, you know, like yeah, if you uh, if you went to the the shop and picked up a few bargains, then you've had a fruitful trip to the shop. Yeah. A fruitful. I was, feeling a bit, I was feeling a bit fruitful. A bit fruity, maybe. Yeah. No, because no, that that's got different connotations, which is why I specifically <laughs> didn't say I was feeling a bit fruity. Yes, it does. You are correct. I said I was feeling fruity, and it sounds like Sean's uh I'm going to lean back on his bed, so... Not me. He's in a polystyrene factory. That was me. It was half my back and half my bed. You cranking one out? What are we, what are we doing here, Keenan? Trying to sit in a comfortable position so I can listen to you clowns for the next 90 minutes. Wow. Wow. We were disrespecting by Sean last week, Jack. Yeah. And now we've got Keenan disrespecting us. There's dissent in the ranks. We've lost the dressing room here. <laughs> and you were and you were taking stray bullets from all angles yesterday. Me? Yeah, yeah. it was. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Fucking, I thought, oh yeah, we've got some interaction on on some of the interviews that we've done. <laughs> I look at the interactions, and I've been dragged through the mud. The good Jack I do, I do, name is. I do think he truly, listens to the podcast actually, so he's probably hearing this. It's, it's well and truly in the mud. My name at the moment. <laughs> I actually didn't know your missus was called Sarah, so I read the first one. I was like, I, I, it took me probably about 30 seconds to work out it was probably your missus. But when was like, yeah, I just felt like the interview, I was like, fucking hell, please let that be true, because that's worldy. It's funnier, it's far funnier if it's just a random bird who just hates you. <laughs> I, I suppose to the unsuspecting person, the other person who um, had commented about, about said topic, Probably mm. thought they were vindicating Sarah, yeah. this yeah. stranger that doesn't like. It. Oh yeah, he's fucking weird, isn't he? That one. Oh, actually no, he's my boyfriend. I had to ah. message. I had to message Jack. We had a we had a comment on um our Napoleon Dynamite interview saying uh from an account called Darth Clarinet <laughs> saying this is the most jealous of two human beings I've ever been. So I did really? say to Jack, I assume he means Jack and John Heder. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get just on to, to Die Hard. Those, just quickly, just to dispel those assumptions, that's definitely not what you meant, mate. How do you how do you know what Darth Clarinet's thinking? <laughs> it's my burner it's my burner account. 
while the picture is literally a bloke in a Vader mask with a clarinet, so you've gone to some effort <laughs> if that is the case. Exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Synopsis. John McLean and a Harlem store owner are targeted by German terrorist Simon in New York City, where he plans to rob, rob the Federal Reserve Building. Just diehard doing diehard, isn't it? You take that from the synopsis. It's really weird because lockdown being lockdown, I've just recompleted GTA 5. And the heist at the end of GTA 5 is almost a carbon copy of this film. <laughs> and I, had, I hadn't seen this one before, which is really weird because in every single other one apart from this one. Um, what did you do to deserve some of the later ones? Yeah, even the new ones. <laughs> um, I watched Live Free or Die Hard at the cinema with my brother. And I, oh, we were both kind of like, yeah. This is interesting. <laughs> like, you think they've got a winning formula there that could never go wrong. And I just guess it's one of those... It's like one of the veteran strikers that you've just got to... you got to retire gracefully. If there's a man to talk to about veteran strikers, you could be the man. <laughs> you've seen a few of them through, come through the doors at uh, Stamford Bridge. Oh, yeah. How much better would Argyle have made this film? Keenan. <laughs> Keenan... Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah, that <laughs> me for a second. My bad. Um, Joey's still not accepting me on Facebook, so he... Um, <laughs> doesn't, he, he would have got a lot of ratings back in the day, but no, who knows? <laughs> no, he was uh, he was awesome, to be fair to me. I fucking really enjoyed interviewing him. Um, just, fr- just throw him in, because why wouldn't you? Yeah, you wouldn't... You'd create a whole... You'd just have Argyle as Argyle, wouldn't you? You wouldn't have to have him... Yeah, no, I'm not, Jackson. no, I'm not. I'm not bringing him back. For, I'm not bringing Deborah <laughs> back to play like some random character. I want him as Argyle. Basically. No, exactly. no, but I mean, like, not at the expense of Samuel Jackson's character. No, no, no not at all. No, just get him, literally him in three or Why would you assume it's Samuel Jackson's <laughs> character? You can only have one black main character, Jack. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> what he's saying. That's, that's the that other co-star in this movie. Um, critics' reviews. Are you expecting good or bad here? I don't think they'll be great. It's got a 7.6 on IMDb. Um, huh. Critics reviews, fast-paced, regularly thrilling, and with a greater serving of wisecracks. A marked comedown from the excellence of Die Hards 1 and 2, but still an effective instalment for the franchise. That's basically the tone I was expecting. But for the record, this is my favourite one. Agreed. Two, two's better than I remember it being. When I... Uh, watching two is back better, just before Christmas I'd never seen two I'd seen one and three strangely there was the only two I'd seen it might actually have the best plot in terms of kind of whether you see certain things come in and the twists and turns uh, yeah fair not but better than that no it's just not Die Hard 1 or 3 <laughs> yeah, I think when you, when you think of the stakes this movie's really high like the whole of the world's gold reserve is at stake here. I've got yeah. some bits on that, actually, which uh, some people dislike it for that reason. All right. Um, it's bigger, bolder, and darker, but still retains the same sense of desperation, humour, and intensity of the first movie. A highly entertaining sequel that almost surpasses the iconic first film. For fans who like the first two, it's the last step before the new millennium had its influence. For those who lament where the franchise went, Perhaps this is where it all started unraveling. See, that 
in my mind is exactly how I had it, where this was like last of the old breed, whereas the new 2000s action movies were completely different. They had a different feel to it. 90s action movies, you cannot beat them. Die Hard 4, if it wasn't Die Hard, would probably be seen a lot better. We've had this conversation about Have American we? Pie, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, Not about yeah. Dial, but Joe, it, 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 you put that stamp in front of it and it's, it's trying to hit a benchmark, and if it fails, it's... Mm. I mean, I assume we're talking about the later ones in the American Pie trilogy. We're not comparing, like, Dial 4 to, like, the Naked Mile. What do you mean? Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. Crikey, like, that's, a, that's a harsh take. Who's typing away here? Shoot. Um, what do you mean? Dial is in Dial Dial 4's it ain't great is it it's dog to be fair I mean shoots like an ambient soundboard isn't it he just <laughs> like he doesn't pop up and then he'll pop up with like we've got to guess what he's doing he's actually quite fun if you had if you had like a rating system <laughs> Die Hard 4 would be higher up than Naked Mile American Pie would be no but I mean comparat- I mean comparatively yeah Book of Love I actually don't don't hate as much as everyone else. What was the is that the last one? Book of Love. There's no um, yeah. Book of Love was Book of Love was the worst one. Yeah. The, the, okay, yeah. the, the moment someone's getting piped by a deer, yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah, not exactly. the most ridiculous part of it. Um, yeah, but like comparatively on a scale, you you've got your core, and then you've got the ones they tried to bring it back for, and it's basically dog in it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think either of us are winning here defending American Pie, Book of Love, or Die Hard Four. So. No, you're probably right. Let's let's skip it. Um, the first 40 minutes of the movie contain the most giddy and intoxicating action scenes you'll find in any cinema this summer. Again, None I of us were going to the cinema in 95, but we'll take their word for it. I think the president was set literally in the first five minutes when he walks with that sandwich board into Harlem. And you're like, right, OK, this is where the movie goes. Then. I can't remember that. What, what did it say, Sean? <laughs> You're not going to get me that easy, Byron. Me and Keenan promised that you were going to tell people. Also, I don't know why you want him to say it, because you've then got to go to the effort of editing out, because there's no way... No, I just sent it straight to his employer. <laughs> you ain't got the memos for that, so let's not pretend. But you will have <laughs> or to we could just take the voice note. We got a good voice note of Keenan last week, didn't we? <laughs> that, was, that would sum you up as well. That just sums you up as a person. What, what was the first <laughs> yeah. film you saw at the cinema? the first one I can remember Pokemon movie for me Ants no um, Space Jam what was it Bugs Life possibly Bugs Life or Ants the one that's the first Harry Potter film but I don't know if I don't know I have no idea before that so I remember watching Pokemon 2000 but I can't be right because I would would have been seven so yeah you'd have been before that yeah Barney I, I saw Barney movie at the cinema as well um, which was 98, I think. Barney's got a film. Madness. Barney's Great Adventure. Yeah, I think madness. I think the Pokemon one sticks to my mind because the whole cinema was weeping when all the Pokemon <laughs> like, died at the end and Pikachu's tears brought that them back to That Yeah, that was it. Um, the third, this third instalment is so loud, fast and full of chases that watching it is like being abandoned on a set of roller coaster tracks. You're definitely not bored, but you're not necessarily pleased. <laughs> you get some rush comparisons here. I've still not got over the Hail Hitler one that was just to make that weird pun. 
for one week. Yeah, that, that was, was 300, wasn't it? An odd one. Yeah. Still haven't quite understood that. Um, while it isn't as insultingly dopey as the first two films in this series, this Die Hard is every bit as violent, obscene, and implausible. Is it I think if obscene? you didn't like the first two, yeah, you made the third one. <laughs> probably isn't going to be for you. No, that's probably right, mate. Um, is it that obscene? Barring the uh, billboard? It is, but for the right reasons. You, obscene, that's the word you'd use. Um, I've got some bits in the trivia, so... Okay. I'll save it for there. But there's just there's just certain bits which, much like all action movies, if you don't have some kind of obscenity there, then it really is going to take away. Like As as we spoke to with um, Chad Stahelski when he was saying, oh, John Wick isn't really going to headshot 70 people in a row, but for the purpose of the film, we would rather see him headshot 70 people in a row. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Returning to the fray after missing the first sequel, John McTiernan directs with a gleeful disregard for narrative logic, especially in the closing stages. It's cracking entertainment. Now, John McTiernan, you would think, after the success of Die Hard 1, why he wouldn't be there for the second. But just looking at his uh, IMDb, I took a look. He's only directed 12 films in his career. At the time of this, he was directing The Hunt for Red October in 1990 with Sean Connery. And then, among his other films, Die Hard 1 and 3, Predator, The Last Action Hero, 13th Warrior, Basic, and then, among all these, Rollerball is in there as well. So that must have just been his spin-off one that he just did what the hell he wanted. It's got like a 2.8 on IMDb. <laughs> but that's not bad for the 12 films to just jump straight in with. No, he's probably made some absolute banging money the, as well. The names in there as well he's just superstars throughout mm-hmm. so I can't do this film with Bruce Willis because I've got one with Arnie coming up here I can't do this because I've got Travolta just throughout the 90s he's just killed it and then that taking must, a back seat that must be how Pep Guardiola feels he's just got the best <laughs> to work with who's his uh, Sean Connery what he's left behind Bruce yeah um, probably his De Bruyne I guess I guess it would be Aguero a bit older but still, still got a lot to give yeah Predator, I mean, I think we did make the right call, Keenan, limiting to 1990, because we would have had Predator Alien. We'd have been, we we worked out we'd have been wiped out by half of yeah. the late 80s. No, that was part of it, wasn't it? You would have, we basically yeah. would have just done, you could, you could genuinely, you could just, we could just do 80 to 89 and have, have a bracket. Yeah, Troy was quite disappointed that we didn't do that, I think. Um, uh-huh. The big set pieces don't build really. They just pile up. I do think that's a somewhat fair criticism. Like, a subway train does crash off the rails with a bomb and it's kind of just brushed off. <coughs> like, they're not even really that shaken up by it. It's, it's, it's all smiles and giggles afterwards as well, isn't it? They're all like, God, can you believe that happened? <laughs> A bit of trivia that I that I didn't take down, but the scene with um, the policeman pointing the gun at uh, Samuel L. Jackson as he's trying to get on the phone. If you watch back The Incredibles, they actually recreate that scene with Frozone saying the exact lines back and forth. No way. And it's just uh, it's snuck in The Incredibles there. So, um, finally, 
This one's a good, exciting flick, and it probably bodes well for the future of action movies. I have a little more there, if you know what I mean. Although I hope these folks understand that we really, really don't need to see a Die Hard 4. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, when it first came out, when it first came out, I didn't think it was that bad, but it hasn't aged. I'll still continue watching Die Hard films as long as they're made, so. Yeah, exactly. If if there's people like us out there, they're going to make money, so they might as well. Just have it with just Bruce Willis. Like, we don't need you to say this is Bruce Willis's son. (laughs) So, it's like the equivalent of Jeremy Renner doing Bourne, which nobody needed. We did not. All right, I've got some great trivia here today. So, originally titled Simon Says, where Zeus was scripted as a woman and was considered by Joel Silver as the third sequel to Lethal Weapon. Sorry, not Zeus scripted as a woman. Um, Simon was scripted as a woman. Originally, basically, this script was going to be Lethal Weapon 4. Um, There was a disagreement with Bruce Willis and Joel Silver. And Bruce Willis, some say almost to spite him, was like... Right, well, we're taking this for Dard Dard 3. You can find yourself another script for Lethal Weapon. And the studio had the choice between Joel Silver or Bruce Willis and naturally thought we can probably afford to piss off Bruce Willis a bit less than a producer. It does make a lot of sense that this could be Lethal Weapon as well. Never seen Lethal Weapons. I've seen the first and I sent it to Troy and TK, that bit of trivia. I know I've seen all of them. Troy in particular loves them. And he was like, that, that does actually make perfect sense. Weirdly, as I don't seem to watch things in a linear order for some unbeknownst reason, but I've seen Lethal Weapon 1 and Lethal Weapon 4. <laughs> I watched Lethal Weapon again over Christmas. I didn't like it the first time. I told the story a couple of times on the other podcast, but I, I quite liked it, so I'll definitely catch the others. Pure action film, as we like to have on here sometimes, where you don't really need to concentrate too much, just... Uh, put some guns on screen and uh, a likeable main character and we'll get on board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samuel Jackson said that Zeus is the closest character to my personality of any that I've played. <laughs> Doesn't particularly bode well for us, but I have. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be why he's not coming on the podcast. Yeah. As in Die Hard 1990. 1990- 1988, the German spoken in this movie is mostly grammatically incorrect. A few lines are so wrong that they're actually just considered gibberish. Uh, (laughs) Most notably, the exchange of the fake cops who were given the briefcase bomb by Zeus. It's funny, because I completely noticed that. It just made... I was was using... Those German lessons paying off, finally. Well, I was using using it to practice, because I haven't spoken in so long. And I was like, I, I don't understand any of that sentence or... Am I just shit? So I got Sarah to listen to it, and uh, yeah, it was gibberish. Didn't make sense. Um, this was the highest grossing movie worldwide in 1995. Jeez. Um, we've got some uh, Sean Shoot style casting here because um, Lawrence Fishburne was actually the original choice to play Zeus Carver, but he turned down the part. When he reconsidered the decision, Samuel L. Jackson had already been cast, and they said, Essentially, we don't need you anymore. We've got Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. I bet you regretted that. Yeah. Although, you you need Samuel L. Jackson in this. I'm not sure Lawrence Fishburne works quite so well. No, I agree. I think he was perfect for that role. 
Yeah. I don't think anyone else could have played it. This was before he turned into like a caricature of Samuel L. Jackson, where they just cram in him saying, I've had it since Snakes on a Plane into every single film. Yeah. He's actually in the new Saw film that's coming out. You know, every franchise now tries to do the in the such and such universe since the Avengers. Yeah. Um, they're trying to do a Saw universe um, completely directed by Chris Rock. Wow. And that mm. comes out later this year. <laughs> and he said no sex in the champagne room. It's part of that. Yeah, I just thought we'll just let that hang. <laughs> <laughs> My boy, boy, Clef. <laughs> you have to um, admit that was, that was a banger back in the day. It was. It was. Um, well, it still is park. now. Yeah, fair. The park on top of Wall Street Station in the film was a vacant lot that was actually just made into a park for the film. Rather than leave it, they did actually turn it back into a parking lot after filming was completed. So, Bonnie Bedelia, who played Holly McLean, declined to return for the third installment, which is why you don't even get her picking up the phone. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder why she declined. <laughs> what are you doing in that room, Keenan? <laughs> You want a leather sofa? It sounds like there's a waterfall on you. No, not at all. I'm just moving. I was actually getting a drink. Is he one up in short? Is he washing his hair while he does the podcast? <laughs> well, these headphones you bought me waterproof, are So I'm happy to give it a go. <laughs> That'd be nice if they were. Yeah, um, warning, I will automatically sing in the shower, so it's whether you want to wear it or not. I'd love to. Okay. Awesome. Rory tells me you have the voice of an angel. Yeah, it's decent to be fair. John McTiernan called the plot frail and outrageous. He said, I hope people just enjoy its ridiculousness. So when the director's saying it, you can't really argue too much. Nobody joining in here? <laughs> I was muted because I was moving. Didn't want you moaning. No, not, not, I mean, not you. I mean, sounds like Sean really is desperate to finish here for the football. <laughs> he thinks if he said as little as possible, we'll carry on. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Um, He's been rumbled. If we're keeping you, Sean, don't worry about us. <laughs> um, John McClane doesn't kill a bad guy until over an hour into this movie, which is longer than any other Die Hard film. So I did see this. I thought there was a lot less death. I've got the death toll a little later, so uh, I'll let and you do it, estimates again around. when I get there. And then all of a sudden, as soon as they get to the back, <laughs> it's like, right, fucking, we're making up for lost time. Like in vampire films, once they get a taste for it, yeah, or oh, oh, hell breaks loose. Uh, John McTiernan liked the 1961 Mack truck so much that he actually bought it after the movie finished, so uh, he'd be cruising around in there. As if they have not gifted it to him as a director. Joke. They probably think he makes enough money. Um, John McTiernan declined to direct Batman Forever in 1995 in order to make this film. Um, he said subconsciously he knew it could never live up to Batman and Robin, which would be released two years later. <laughs> that's your worst. That's your worst one yet. He did genuinely direct, refuse to direct Batman Forever. Oh, okay, but like the actual rest of it was awful. Was Batman Forever is that the one with Danny DeVito in it? It's the and one with Pfeiffer. Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Oh, okay, Tommy Lee Jones. Probably the second best Batman film. <sighs> So, it, in your opinion, it should make it the first because the thing you rate as the best one is genuinely, oh. like actually, it's genuinely the goat. It's shite. 
That's why George Clooney is so bashful whenever you mention it to him because he knows how good it is. He doesn't need it confirmed. <laughs> That's why the director has said, please don't ever mention it to me again. It's that much of a travesty. He refuses to speak about it in interviews. My favourite bit of trivia this week. Sergeant Yates, the police, de- the police detective character <laughs> on South Park, was based on Larry Brigman's performance as Inspector Walter Cobb as well as his likeness. So if you Google the two of them, compare them together, you'll see. It's funny because when you showed it to me, that's all I can see. <laughs> it is so perfectly brilliant. Legend of a character as well. Yeah, Takes the, a special man to replace Officer Bar Brady, and he pulls it off. Yeah, the he is my favourite South Park character, I think. Him uh, taking them sperm samples to... There's... <laughs> The the episode where Ike runs away with his teacher, and um, maybe the best TV episode ever. Yeah, and they just nice. Go, just nice. <laughs> Dog the like bounty that, hunter. It's literally all I said as a kid. When someone said nice, I just turned it nice, <laughs> nice, simple yet hilarious. Um. The Russian title for Die Hard in the first three movies is Hard Nut to Crack. <laughs> I mean, um, it's factual, if nothing else. He is a hard nut to crack. Some of the bad guys cast in this are genuinely big, but some of them are standing on boxes to ensure that they do loom over John McClane a little bit more. Yeah, because I saw this, because the guy, I've forgotten his name, he was like the sidekick, you know, the one that gets shot when he says he's The one betrayed. is just a monster. <laughs> well, him, yeah, so... During the film, I thought it was a normal-sized guy. And then he picks John McClane up by the ankle and flings him into a crate towards the end when they have a scrap. I was thinking, I don't remember him being that strong. He's <laughs> just this normal-sized bloke that can just fling him around like a ragdoll. Good fight, that, by the way. Great yeah. fight. I've got some more um, sound later on. One of the writers, Jonathan Hensley, was detained by the FBI after completing the script for this film because he knew extensive information about the Federal Gold Reserve that he shouldn't, that he shouldn't have known. So he claims he got all the information from an article written in the New York Times, but they took him in anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's a compliment to his ability to do his job, right? Yeah. The sandwich board that Bruce Willis wore while filming in Harlem was originally blank rather than text to ensure that no one was offended or hurt during filming. Um, the message is later added in CGI. Boy's decision. Yeah. <laughs> So Sean Connery was director John McTiernan's first choice for the role of Simon Gruber. He turned down the role, saying he didn't want to play such a diabolical villain. Hmm. What do you reckon the body count is for this film? It's confirmed by the director in the director's cut, by the way. It's tricky, because it didn't have a lot. It was a lot of, like, smoking mirrors and chasing, and all of a sudden, just loads of people started to die. Give me a guess. I'm going to go with 23 deaths. Keenan? 17. Sean? Uh, 18. Jack was closest, 26. What's going to go with One of the things about the, the plot that I referenced earlier, so you would actually need 480 dump trucks to steal all the gold from the Federal Reserve. <laughs> rather than the two that they had 
I mean, for the record, if you got away with two trucks, you'd still be fucking buzzing. Yeah. I don't, know what the, I don't know what the price of gold was in 1995, but I imagine... I think the aim, though, wasn't it? Because it was... It was to just to destabilise the American money. economy. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, actually, in, in the film. So the, there's a parallel between the first and the third in that in the first one, it's not, it's not a heist, and uh, they are kind of being terrorists. And then in the third, they think that they're doing this for a cause when in reality it is just a heist and they're trying mm. to get away with the money. But a load of them actually think that they were doing it for a particular cause. Nice little 95 sort of Berlin Wars down the Cold War started to fizzled out, but then they just roll in, roll in with that iron block, don't they? Bring the Germans so, across. So this film nearly took a turn and it obviously would have altered the, the diehard films that came after they filmed an alternate ending here that wasn't gone forward with. Um, so the alternative ending um, is set sometime after the events in New York. Um, in this version, it's presumed that the robbery succeeds. McLean was used as a scapegoat for everything that went wrong. He's fired from the NYPD. Um, he has everything taken away from him. The FBI has taken away his pension included, which is apparently a key point here. Nevertheless, he still manages to track down Simon using the batch number on the bottle of aspirins that you see uh, when he picked up the phone to call Holly. Um, And they meet in a bar in Hungary. Uh, So in this version, Simon's double-crossed most of his accomplices. He's got on the loop to a safe hiding space somewhere in Hungary and has the gold turned into statues of the Empire State Building in order to smuggle it out of the country. But he's still tracked down. McLean is keen to take his problems out on Simon. So this was the thing. They were going to turn McLean and make him go all dark by the end of it. They're going to jump Yeah, he invites him to play a game called McLean Says, which involves a form of Russian roulette with a small Chinese rocket launcher that's had the sights removed, meaning it's impossible to determine which end is which. McLean then asks Simon some riddles similar to the ones he played in New York. When Simon gets the riddle wrong, McLean forces him at gunpoint to fire the launcher, which fires the rocket through Simon, killing him. <laughs> I you can find this on YouTube. Oh, so it's an actual thing? Yeah, yeah. So it's part of the DVD as well. They, oh, wow. this, they were going to go with this. And then the audiences kind of reacted to both quite well when they did it. And they said it didn't really make much sense in the grand scheme of things that McLean's always trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And then suddenly they turn him completely off his head and he just goes on a crusade. I guess that's the luxury you get with 24 and Jack Bauer. That it's it's a gradual thing where he just gets darker and darker and darker and he just does the worst things humanly imaginable for the, all the right reasons. I think you can tell that they weren't settled on the ending because I do think my main criticism of this film is the ending. It does feel a bit like, how are we going to end this? Right, let's just have... Yeah. Somewhat of a shootout. <laughs> He's kind of crushed down, wiped, and done. I quite like. I quite like the ending. I quite like how it just nonchalant, nonchalantly ends, and then it just moves into that music. I think the ending for me. I looked at it and I thought they've done this really good movie with quite a good storyline, and then he finds out where he is from the bottom of a aspirin bottle, <laughs> and he just finds out he knows exactly where that shopping centre is in Canada. And they go there, and they turn up with no guns in the helicopter. Like, he knows he's got a private army, pretty much. And he just pops up in his helicopter, and he's got this tiny little pistol. 
You would have thought he'd have gone there with at least yeah, one I more. Yeah, I thought they deserved more of a showdown. Yeah, I, I thought as well that if they've got the entire world's gold reserve there, there'd be a lot more than a few cup cars. They'd be he fucking doesn't really say yippee-ki-yay with his chest either. He kind of just almost as if he has to say it. Yeah. Before we get onto the categories, um, I have, uh, in Simon Said style, got a riddle for each of you. Who, no. which of you three thinks you'd be the best at riddles? Not me. Not me. Alright. I'll give we'll it a go. save you for last then, Jack. So, Keenan, we'll start with you. Please don't. I am six letters. When you take one away, I am twelve. What am I? Wait, yeah. How long have I got? Because I will sit and think about this for about nine years now. <laughs> Not too long. Okay. Um, do you want to ask the rest of the questions and come back to me? Um, okay. Uh, Sean. <laughs> David's father has three sons. Snap, Crackle and What? Yeah. What's his son's third name? What? No. I know what it is. David's father has three sons. It's David. Crackle and... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Why did you not let Sean answer? Because now Sean can have my question. Because <laughs> I knew that one. I wanted Sean to make a damn fool of himself. <laughs> right, Sean, you've got a third one. Um, <laughs> oh, your maths isn't great, though, and that's not even a dig. <laughs> you, you're giving me the maths question because you knew I was in bottom set maths. I was in there you? with you. I oh, mean... Yeah, you, yeah, you were. <laughs> I don't want to send shots at Sean here, but there's bad maths and then there's bad maths. <laughs> Why didn't I get the maths question? The only one I might be able to answer. Well, we'll see if you can then. Mr. and Mrs. Mustard have six daughters. Each daughter has one brother. How many people are in the Mustard family? We wouldn't have been much used to with the... Uh... See, I actually think I know this one as well. Go on. I'm going to go with nine. You're correct. You are correct. Um, there are nine the Mustards in the family. Each daughter shares the same brother. Six girls, one boy. Mr. and Mrs. Mustard. Yeah. Do you know the first one yet, Yes, I think so. It's the answer to my riddle, the word dozen, D-O-Z-E-N. Well, dozens, when you take one away. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, sorry, my bad. There we go. So, you you weren't much help, Sean. (laughs) I wasn't, you're right. Damn shame. Uh, I've got got one, though. I've got like a... Just thinking of of John McClane. Would you have got the snap, crackle and... Would you have got David as the third son's name? I don't know, potentially. Snap, crackle, and it's David's father. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, my question was, um, obviously John McClane does it on a hangover. I was wondering what's, I guess, a two-part question. Like, what's the worst hangover you ever had? But then also, like, what's the worst thing you've had to do on a hangover? You've been hangover, but you've had to do something. Climb a mountain. That's pretty rough, yeah. Ugh. That nice mountain breeze. Nope, thought I was going to die. I don't like actually. What, I don't like made, my, made, made my peace with God a third of the way up. I was like, right, this is <laughs> it. It's cool. Some Thai soldiers had to run down the mountain and check on me. <laughs> it's actually true as well. Goffey was like a further third of the way up this mountain. I was that worried that he thought I might have died? He was just like asking to check on me. I can only imagine what he's described me as because. 
each one of these soldiers seemed to know who they were looking for. So <laughs> it, it can't have been done in positive terms, basically. In, um, in a follow-on from Monday's podcast, I assume Goff didn't offer you much sympathy, maybe because he hadn't felt much sympathy when he felt he was on death's door. Is that before or after? See, this might have been before. So that might be why this you didn't was... offer him much sympathy. <laughs> I, to be honest, mate, that much has gone on in the space of two weeks and I was that pissed for most of it. I probably couldn't have. I, it was only a while later that the memory of walking up the mountain occurred. It was like a repressed memory. I saw how much I hated it until someone offered me the chance to go up another mountain. <laughs> so I was like, nah, fuck that. You not go. I mean, Goff was telling us that he was begging for a hospital and you were telling him to get a grip. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Mate, we're in the middle, we're in the middle of a Thai countryside. We are miles from anywhere. Funnily enough, they haven't just got an, they haven't got an A and E down the road. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, there is no drop off sensor. It's it's shit or bust, unfortunately. <laughs> he gave you a beating to fuck me. Make he, up beat for me like, mate, he beat me like it was his job. Christ <laughs> Almighty! And he's like, oh, I don't remember that. Oh, I do, mate. When I'm, co- when I'm coughing blood for two, though, I'm like almost coughing blood for three days after. I can tell you, right. isn't Why was that? He were uh, he didn't actually like bat me, but he was mate. He was like that ill, and we were just at the back of this bus, and it was like tiny, and there was just the two seats next to us. How, was, how he, long was he that? He was almost like coach trip. Fuck, it went on for hours. It was Quite like a it long was time. A, I think he told me it before. It was like fourteen hours or something like that. Yeah, it was an overnight one. Yeah, and he had food um, poisoning. Yeah, Sean. mate. But like Sean, he was like he, mate when he was like he was like sleeping, but he was like fitting. Like, not literally, but he was, like, shaking and stuff in his sleep. Because we were so packed into each other, he was basically just battering the fuck out of me. Every and time he one moved, toilet like, on board. He was, like, swinging elbows at me. Like, he's, like, accidentally headbutted me and stuff oh. like this. I was like, oh, my God. That sounds... <laughs> I'm fi- I, for a while, I was I was 35% sure that he was, like, a little bit lucid and he just saw his opportunity and took it. <laughs> <laughs> he's sown seeds and then he's just sort of, he's, like, sort of come round a bit. Because it definitely got worse after a while. So that's either him getting worse or he's just realised that he's kicking fuck out of me and just carried on. Um, I know when I was younger, with first year of sixth form, so my mum had this proper old car that she didn't want to get rid of because um, she was given it by her dad before he passed away. But it was a proper old car, like windows stopped working, all sorts. Um, I'd... I had far too much to drink before I turned 18. There's a whole other story to this, but she'd found me on a roundabout. <laughs> um, that's a story for another day. Anyway, she's picked me up, got me in the back of the car, and um, about halfway back, I'm in the back seat, and I've spewed all across their backs in the front, all across the seats. <laughs> everything all over the car like she tried telling me to get me out of the window or something and I've just not had it not had about me to do it um but she woke me up at seven o'clock the next morning to go outside and clean it (laughs) that's a cruel punishment and and I still had to go play Sunday league afterwards as well I think but cleaning it was horrific but because um of how of how the car was, um, and the windows were out of sorts and everything. Um, the smell didn't go. So going on the school run at like seven o'clock in the mornings, the smell was still there until <sighs> I got a new car, and then 
once when like it started raining then you get a bit of damp in there so it'd be mixed with the sick what was <laughs> what was the time difference with the one where you were like a sea outside and paramedics had to find you a couple of years but <laughs> I might save that story for another day because i think i still don't know i got home i have my suspicions but uh friend of uh jacks whose name rhymes with schmarchy I did think he gave me a lift home, but it turns out he didn't. Whoever did give me a lift home, I appear to have paid my house key, so <laughs> they never came back at least while I was there. So, but I'll save that. <clears throat> I think the worst one for me, it was in, we were going to Zante, and it was on a rugby tour, so it was like 14 of us, and we were flying from Manchester because the flights were so much cheaper. Um, so we're all on this minibus. We had to get the minibus at like two in the morning. So we started drinking at like five at the, at the rugby club. And then it was at that horrible stage on the bus where you're falling asleep and then you get to the airport and you're hungover, but still pissed at the same time. But you've already slept, so you can't sleep anymore. So you're just in this horrible purgatory of like wanting to sleep and you just can't. Anyway. We get to Zante, and I've dressed for Manchester night weather, so I've got a hoodie and jeans on, um, and I'm hungover to fuck. And then we get this really long coach journey, which we're like the last stop. And I get off the coach, finally buzzing that we can just get into the room and get changed out of these jeans because it's 35 degree heat. And I don't fare well in heat at the best of times. Why are you wearing jeans in Zante? Well, this is the thing, because I was wearing them on the plane because it's in Manchester, it oh, like, jeans it are like, clean as well. I, I know, like two in the morning is complete rookie error. Anyway, get there, jump off the off the coach, go to the um, reception. I've left my bag with my passport on the coach. <laughs> um, so I'm sat there in 35 degree heat outside. My wallet's in there, so I can't pay for air conditioning either. And I then have to do a competition because it was my first last holiday. So it was a competition, and whoever finished last had to be holiday bitch. Um, so I then hung oh, over. This was definitely a rugby trip. Yeah, so I then mm. had to hung over, run laps of the swimming pool, and do this like spinny thing around a like a pole to make you purposely dizzy, so you try and fall into the pool down like loads of points in my jeans in thirty five degree heat. It was just <laughs> like the worst thing oh. ever, and to make it worse. The reps, if we bought these like party tickets off him, the rep said that he'd take me to go in, get um, my passport and stuff back because he knew where it was. <laughs> and then one of the lads that was one of the key drivers, like one of the captains, they were like, he was trying to shag one of these other reps. So we bought the tickets from this girl instead and left me completely high <laughs> and dry. And this other rep just refused to give me a lift. I ended up getting it back halfway through the trip because I found out where the bus went and I got a taxi there but that was a fucking bad hangover Sean being hangover on that <laughs> oh sorry Cavos whiskey <laughs> he started making these noises and claimed he was hallucinating and thought he was in a burning plane <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah no it was, it was just was... vodka and it gives you if you google it it does come up like it's an actual thing it just gives you hallucinations so we were me and Byron were both in the room, and then I was like drifting off to sleep. And then I thought, 
I thought I was burning, and then like a plane. <laughs> making these little squealing noises. <laughs> I mean, that was anyway. Back right. to Die Hard. Yeah. yeah, the one for me would probably be in Zanti though when I um, got bit by all of those. Oh. No, that was Cavos. Wasn't that it? was Cavos. Cavos, yeah. So also Cavos, but different day. <laughs> got bit by like it must have been a hundred, at least a hundred bites. Uh, that I woke up to in the morning after a night out, so already hungover. But then, so now that your mattress was covered in piss, which is probably stinging. Oh, yeah. the the mattress was covered in piss as well. Yeah, is that <laughs> not anyone else's? <laughs> no, no, my my own. From uh, from uh, because that was from the watermelon uh, night, and then again, I completely blacked out from after that. I had a band on was to see like people from Geordie Shore. Uh, and then yeah, ne- next thing I know, woke up not in my bed, someone else's bed, and pissed on it. And then that's it. There's a video somewhere. Uh, you'll have to share that with Jack. One of one of uh, one of our mates' beds. He he didn't get lucky and pissed someone else's bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it sounded like you're a bit of a rock star there. Woke up in someone else's bed. <laughs> well, I mean, I did admit to pissing in it, so. Um, <laughs> And yeah, there is a video, there's a video that Byron have to share somewhere. I'm sure he's still got it of, of me. Probably somewhere. Having to having to slyly take the mattress out of that room and then put it into my room. Um, so doing that hangover and then having all the bites the next day, that was pretty bad. Um, if we get back onto Die Hard, so if we kick off the categories. Rewatchability. This is two hours and eight minutes long. I think there's so many Die Hard films out there that I don't think it's that rewatchable. Because if I'm rewatching a Die Hard film, I'm rewatching Die Hard One. In my Keenan, mind. talk about this disrespect. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's very disrespectful. I love them all. It is. But... It is. It is disrespectful. The fact you don't love them all. You like the first three. No <laughs> one likes number. No one likes number five. Yeah, that's true. No one really likes number four. All right, hang on. Don't disrespect our boy Justin Long. See, Justin Long's seen, great. Justin Long's seen great. It now, not a fucking um, action star, is it? <laughs> no. They're, tra- they're doing a prequel now, by the way. God, I wonder if they've got... They're just going to find an actor who suits a bald head. <laughs> oh, I'd love it if they just give Bruce Willis a, a toupee and just make him <laughs> as, if he's, as if he's younger. Uh, well, maybe they do the old Irishman age down technology. Yeah, that was rash there. That wasn't a great look. Do I because, really like that film? Well, they showed that the movement else. doesn't quite work. When De Niro's looking like he's going to break a hip shoe with someone in, despite mm. looking younger. <laughs> yeah, I actually like that, The Irishman far more than any, pretty much anyone else I know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but, oh well. Um, this, yeah, you can watch this whenever you want. Simon says, great villain. The first hour is very rewatchable. Uh, yeah, but then it you built it builds up the plot as well, so the rest yeah, of it yeah. sort of ticks along. Um, oh yeah, I'd, I think this is very rewatchable. Uh, this is like I said, this is my favourite diet. I think prefer this to number one. Same. Although I'd acknowledge the first is a better film, if that makes any sense. Come like yeah. I would, do you prefer rewatchable? One's the favourite for me. Is it actually, or is this you just doing your thing? <laughs> no, it, it it genuinely is. I yeah, do really I've like it. The second, it I've is seen good. the second one, but I've only I only really count the first three, so I, I'm not interested in four or five. They don't really exist in my head. Number four, your favourite, Jack? 
Nah, number one. Number one is my fave. Going on his track record, number five would probably be Troy's favourite. <laughs> Never heard anyone say before that their favourite Home Alone was the fourth. It's <laughs> just so outrageous. <laughs> did they make a fourth one, did they? Yeah, they yeah. did, and it's not even the same kid. Not even the same kid as the third, I don't think, which is even more rash. And there was another one he said was his favourite of a film series that was mental. I can't remember what it was. As long as it's, it'll be like The Godfather 3 or something. No, Anderson. that's Sean's favourite. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's got incest on it. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you again, Sean, second week in a row. Yeah. Uh, sorry, mate. It, 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 like, what else was I going to say? You can't <laughs> like it for Sophia Coppola's acting, because it's, well, less said the better. He's not even said uh, si senor to you yet. Hmm. Oh, I was hoping we wouldn't talk about football after like, yesterday's proceedings. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been oh. chatting to Rosa about that. Yeah, it's not ideal, was it? There he is, absolute front runner. If we go on to some quotes, I mean, Sean's already ducked that saying one, but um, little, I like the little interchange in the taxi um, with him saying, Why do you keep calling me Jesus? <laughs> My name's Zeus, motherfucker. Say Zeus, he said, hey, Zeus. <laughs> yeah. Don't fuck with me, I'll shove a lightning bolt up your ass. So, uh, the quotes. I don't think this is, um, don't think this is the greatest week for it, funnily enough. I think you, the don't, one... you don't know how to shoot a gun. All brothers don't know how to shoot guns. <laughs> the quote that I had as well, um, when he, he stutters at the start, he goes, why are you trying to k- 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 kill me? <laughs> on the phone that one, that one broke me a little bit <laughs> and then when um, he gets asked you alright he goes yeah yeah it's not my blood when he's like absolutely covered in blood <laughs> after the lift scene one one bit of this film irritates me every single time and it's when they sit in the uh, car with the FBI agents and they say do you know this guy does the name Gruber mean anything to you the FBI don't know about this massive scandal <laughs> where <laughs> terrorists took over an international building and he was thrown out 60 stories or something. And I'm like, does the name Gruber mean anything to you? <laughs> As if they're completely unaware that this has happened at all. <laughs> so that gets me each time because it's not like that affects the plot at all. That whole thing could happen where they say, look, we've only just got the CCTV footage of this guy. His surname's Gruber. It looks like he's coming after you because of what you did however many years ago. I don't understand why they do it like this, where they don't know who he is. No, fair. Um, just as you're on about not all brothers don't have to shoot guns, I do call him. He's like, yeah, can you pick lock- locks? And he's just like, look, is this one of those black <laughs> things again? Uh, always was a big fan. Saying, didn't I hear you say you didn't even like your brother? There's a difference between not liking one's brother and not caring when some dumb Irish flatfoot drops him out of a window, which is a fair point. Hmm. Um, he says, we're about to pick you up in 15 minutes. He says, take your time, I expect to be dead in four. Um, if you time it, it's actually four minutes in real time that he's then confronted by the gag. There you go. Who won in Jack's book? I know he's a big one for the timekeeper. Yeah. Um, probably some more, you, but pretty much the you, similar kind of lines. Have you been drinking, McLean? Not since this morning. <laughs> well, he's saying he's, he's two steps away from being a full-fledged alcoholic, and he's saying one, one. 
Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm the fucking energizer bunny. Just as he stabs someone, it's quite a nice line. As he does it. What's your best scene, Keenan? Funnily enough, it'll be the scene that I've just quoted, where he has his big fight with your man Mateus. Sean, or there's just as oh. another one. That, sorry, I was going to say <clears throat> not all, but weirdly, what the film when I think of this film is the first scene I think of is the riddle with the bomb and the fountain. Don't know why. Yeah. It's not. It just always sticks in my head. How fuming would um, Simon be if they just get the first riddle wrong and everything's just done? Because you just get blown up. <laughs> a lot of effort to go to. Yeah, very true. One of the, one of the quotes as well, actually, where he stops the truck. He says, you're a truck driver. And he says, no, I'm a beautician. <laughs> of course I'm a truck driver. Very true, because I mean, he does just look exactly what you want a truck driver to look like. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Where he's like, attention, attention, Niels is dead. I repeat, Niels is dead, fuckhead. What's your favourite scene, Jack? Um, I like the start of the film where him and Samuel Jackson meet. Oh, yeah. Um, that's pretty good. That little exchange, how he gets drawn into it. Either that or... The, the taxi chase scene I thought was pretty good as well. He drives through the park, follows behind the ambulance. Well, that was pretty cool. Yeah, mine mine would be uh, the the sub the subway incident. Just uh, see if the bomb was going to go off. For as ridiculous it was, I did enjoy it for what it was. Yeah. Um. We'll get into the other ones when we do the comparisons. So if we go on to. Denzel for the second week in a row and Antoine Fuqua for the second week in a row. So, another double act again. Synopsis. A man who believes he's put his mysterious past behind him cannot stand idly by when he meets a young girl under the control of ultra-violent Russian gangsters. Ticks all the boxes for a TV show that was set up in the 80s, doesn't it? Russian gangsters. What do you think? Do you think critics are going to be kind to this or cruel to this? In my mind, I thought it was a brilliant watch, but I wouldn't have it in the same echelons as some of the other films in this bracket. I thought it was one of those action movies that you will watch once and then probably never watch again, personally. Well, I'll tell you what the critics say. A lazy and overly padded bore is the first one. Um, the equaliser is dark and brutally violent. Fuqua adds his stylistic flair to the proceedings, but it has a more restrained feel than some of his other action outings. In his 30-year film career, Denzel Washington has never made a sequel. In Robert McCall, we finally have a character a that demands one. Huh? That is a great start. Well, he, he, did, then, he did then do Equaliser 2. I know he did, yeah, but like, <laughs> all that, that is a great start. Um, neither gritty enough to be convincing or cheesy enough to be fun it occupies the middle ground where seemingly all modern Denzel Washington vehicles reside I think that's unfair that is well unfair I think not for the movie because I think it's pretty thereabouts in the movie but Denzel's career to labour how gritty do they want it to be like it's gory but it's the thing is with this movie, what I noticed is that he never, ever had any troubles. It was kind of like he was just this one 
stop machine that would just... He has one bit of trouble. He has the, the scrap with the guy in the final kind well, of... In the... Yeah, when he pushes his head against the glass on the floor. But yeah. there was never any part where you thought, oh, fuck me, how's he going to get out of this? It was always kind of just an inevitability about it. <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing, because sometimes you want just an easy watch and you think, oh, how's he going to kill this guy? Um, Pretty much the same as John Wick, though. John Wick doesn't really have too much trouble. No, his dog dies. And his missus dead about two weeks before, in fairness, Denzel's missus. Yeah, in, 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 well. in terms of taking up back. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It, it, I don't know. With a film like this, uh, I, I mean, I was, I must admit, with this, I was at a disadvantage because I know that even if there had been a moment where it should be, how is he going to get out of this? I'm watching it six years after it's been released and they've already made a second one where Denzel's face is the poster. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know, regardless, that he survives. But with inevitability is a, probably a great word. With so many action films, they put them in for dramatic purposes, but there is just an inevitability. It's just trying to work out what what escape route they'll take, but you know it's coming. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if the fact that it doesn't happen in this, I don't think you lose. I don't think you lose a great deal that. because of it. I that I really enjoyed watching it. I thought some of the but you ne- you'd never seen it before, I read you. No, I hadn't, and it was no, like one of those. It was one of those where I looked. I was watching it, and for what it was, I thought the action scenes were great, and I thought the storyline was pretty good. But it, it was almost like one of those magazine action movies where once you've read it, you never read it again, or you never watch it again. I just it didn't. It lacked something for me. I, I mean, I I watch it again personally. I was going to say, the, the inevitability aspect is like, you, you can, that's that's kind of what happens in any, uh, in well, the vast majority of, of films and TV shows, you've got probably like 75 to 80%. Yeah, if you have death, you're going to kill him off. You're always going to yeah. know that the good, the good guy's eventually going to win or get out of the situation. No, you are, you, you are bang on, mate. And that's what I mean, that's why I don't think this in particular, I don't think it loses... I don't think it loses anything for for it being inevitable. In fact, at certain points, I quite like it, especially yeah. the, 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 we'll get to. Joe, you know what it reminded me of weirdly, um, not weirdly actually. When you think about it, there's quite a lot of comparisons. Basically, I thought I was watching Man on Fire for the first forty minutes, <laughs> where fuck all happens. He's just helping some fat bloke carry a tire around. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? He's just going about his bits, reading a few books, drinking a bit of coffee, happy days, and then it just once it starts, it starts. <laughs> He's getting his man fit for his security training. I think with the inevitability side of it, it wasn't so much the fact that you know that he was always going to win, because the, the good guys usually always win. It's only recently yeah. a few films where the bad guys win. Um, but the inevitability side of it, where it was just kind of whatever position you put him in, he was, there was no doubt that he was going to come through it, whereas John McClane obviously comes up against hurdles and you don't know if he's going to make it, and sometimes he doesn't make it but he still makes it work to his advantage, whereas this, it was kind of just no up or down. It was just constant him just wading through all these bad guys, which, again, isn't a bad thing. Sometimes you want a film where you just think... Denzel's um, just a bit more efficient than Bruce. Yeah, like, what I don't get is these people that are this good. You would have the president on... You'd be doing jobs for them straight up. Like, Bruce Willis, he would not still be in the NYPD. He would be running something federal. Not that it's... Uh, I mean, McLean would be, because he's an absolute drunk. Well, yeah, there is that, yeah. That's he, true. He, he faces um, significantly more adversity in the second film. 
Okay, well, he's against more of his his uh, like previous people he's worked with and people who have similar sets of skills. Okay, number two, worth a watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just the action scenes alone. I I really enjoyed the the plot of the first, but the second is uh, just as good. Um, The Equalizer is the most recent movie as Assault and John Wick suggests that only one American vigilante is the equal of a whole group of tattooed and ruthless Russians. So there you go, Jack. (laughs) Um, The familiar can be welcome when the practitioner is so good at what he does, and there are few actors more commanding than Washington when he's taking out bad guys. Um, A thunderously overscored man-on-fire redux that leaves a bad taste in the mouth. I had this in my head when I'd seen it before I watched it back, saying it was... uh, thunderously overscored did you think Is that it? when you were watching it no funnily enough mate that thought never entered my consciousness is it when he's about to have the final fight scene is it Linkin Park that they start playing because I do I don't remember know. seeing that and thinking I'm not sure you needed kind of a, a track over the top of this but I don't know I should know because I only watched it I watched it less than 24 hours ago but I honestly don't what it is that, that plays I'll have to look that up but there's a, there's a song that plays uh, over that kind of final scene and I was thinking is this is this needed I'll find it later when we do soundtrack um, all of the efforts of this top notch team are in service of an earnest film that maybe doesn't know how ridiculous it feels to pair saint like qualities with a man who put a wine corker into your neck slowly as you bleed out in his arms Good people do bad, have to do bad things sometimes. Get over it. He says that. So you might have to bring that, that person back out. I'm not mm. proud of it. Not much trivia for this one. Um, the film's test screenings received the highest scores and most positive reactions of any R-rated Sony film to date. Terry was originally written for an older actress, but Chloe Grace Moretz impressed director Antoine Fuqua so much he made the role younger. She was 17 years old when the film was released. Because you may even be younger while filming it. Yeah, that was... It's, it's such a grey area, isn't there? Because there was all those dangers at secondary school. They would talk about race Moritz. You, and you were speak like, for yourself. And, Don't and speak you were, for us. And there, there was people you had to just say to me, say to them, you know she's like 14, or sometimes even younger than that. And then they will go like, no, she's not. I was like, yeah, but yeah, she is. It was... Uh, Freaky time, really. Um, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was. There was like loads <laughs> don't of just let him speak I, for himself, Keenan. Don't used, incriminate I, yourself. Okay. I used to sit at the back, okay. of an English, I, a back of an English class, and there was these like, I don't know if you had them at your school, but the typical weirdos that would hang around in a certain part of the playground altogether. And for us, it was a quiet area. <laughs> and um, they were talking about quite a bit of because I think they'd seen her in Kick Ass or something. I was like, she's quite evidently a child in that as well. And it's just fucking weird. So your school had a proportionate amount of sexual predators. Oh, if, I don't know if you've seen, but you I'm know what they say about old boys' schools, Keenan. Could never I'm be me going to one of them. <laughs> if you, I, actually, if you send me this week, I've been calling out some Harry Potter fans on a Harry Potter meme page about Victor <laughs> Crumb and Hermione's involvement, him being eighteen and no. being fourteen. No, Jack, I have not seen that. Yeah, let's not, not overlook Jackson Park. 
a meme page. Hey, <laughs> like it was the most normal thing in the world. Harry Potter in the Chamber of Shitposts is a brilliant page. I'll have you know. Um. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there, if Keith. You, <laughs> if any of you happen to be browsing through Harry Potter meme page this week, I mean, I'll send you to the group chat. Is is. There's a load of people. There's is someone sat out in the rain? I don't know what this noise <laughs> no, is. Someone's washing their car. No, you can just hear it on my roof. I don't know what you want me to do. I'm not going anywhere. So I, don't know, I don't know what it, we didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. No, so, yeah, there was one bird that was like, oh, I was 17 and my boyfriend was 13 when we got together. Did that make me a paedophile? I was like, yes, yes, it does. That's exactly what makes me a paedophile. <laughs> not, not legally, but... Mm, I mean, in the eyes of everyone, yes. I mean, even legally. 17 what, and 13 is yeah, still like illegal. Yeah, the age of consent. Oh, 17 and 13. Sorry, yeah. I yeah. 17 and 30. No, 17 and 13. I she was 17, yeah. he was 30. Yeah. And three zero. <laughs> oh, no, no, your boyfriend's a nonce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they, and they just, people on there just weren't getting it. Yeah, Plus, no, because uh, it's my, come of age at 17, I'll have you know, me, so me, he was an adult. Yeah, Mia, Mia Culver, sorry, love, your, boy, your boyfriend's a Peter. Um, casting what ifs for this, do any of you know who's considered for the role of uh, Robert McCall before Denzel? Was it Lawrence Fishburne? David Spade? Gerard Butler. Very law-abiding citizen-ish, ish, isn't it? If that's the yeah, case. Yeah, you can see him doing this. It's very much yeah. a wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah, you could absolutely see him doing this. Um... Robert McCall is never actually shown shooting a firearm. At the restaurant, he twists a henchman's arm, forcing him to shoot his boss. Towards the end of the film, McCall only uses the rifle for the scope and eventually uses a nail gun. Everyone else is neutralised by other creative means. See, I did. I actually had that in my notes, that he didn't use a handgun. In this. And in my head as well, when you're having a fight in a DIY or a hardware store, <laughs> the nail gun is always a staple of that scrap. No matter what, whenever whenever a film can fit a nail gun into a scene, they do it. James Bond, Casino Royale, nail gun and nail. Final Destination, someone gets yeah, nail gunned. Exactly, yeah. it's just a staple of a good. And I, I said as well that we said about kitchen fights are always the best. You put a mass fight or a fight scene in a DIY hardware store, it's just gold. There's so many avenues that you can go down on. That is true. Do you think the death toll... Sorry. I was just about to say that, I said this in the group chat, but whenever I walk around B&Q, when I'm like buying stuff for the house, I look at stuff and I I think, you know what, I could do damage with most items in this shop. Like, I'll pick up like a block of wood or a pole and I'll think I'm like Darth Maul or something. It'll be being twirled around. I reckon I'm doing some damage. Do you guys do that? Or is that just me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't really go into a DIY store, but I imagine yeah. there is plenty of you to pick through there. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, it's good fun. Do you reckon the death toll's higher or lower here than Dard 3? Lower. Yeah, I'd say... I'd probably say lower. Do you want to give me estimates? 14. Jack? I'm going to go 17. Sean? I reckon it's higher. I'll go 24. Sean, you're bang on the money. It's oh. 24. Congratulations. Prizes in the post. Thank you. Thank you. Like, like your crate. Has that been received yet? 
only just Keenan, but thank you oh, for okay. checking in. You're oh, right to question it with this yeah, one. That, that, that wasn't my fault. That's the delivery's fault. I know Sean's made some side bets, so I just want to make sure that he does on these. <laughs> he, he, he does it. It's, it's not a quick service, so I'll, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, he ain't right, pay, paying for that next day delivery, is he? Well, no, I waited a month for it, so... <laughs> Fucking hell, deliver it by hand, did it? <laughs> um, right, on to the categories. That was literally all the trivia there was. Um, plus, they got Denzel on set. He did his thing, and there was no real uh, qualms either way once that was sorted. So, um, Rewatchability, this is four minutes longer than Die Hard. Keenan, do you think it's uh, got similar levels of rewatchability? I will rewatch it definitely, but I don't know if it's got. I would. I will re. I would rewatch Die Hard first. Would you call it rewatchable? Yeah. Yes. Just about because, like I say, it's got that Man on Fire esque forty minutes where nothing, nothing's happening, mm. but once it starts, it really does start, and then it's then it's very good. Sure. What do you think? We haven't really actually heard if you liked it or not. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I do like it. Uh, second time of watching. Um, yeah, I think it's rewatchable. It's not, you know, I wouldn't say it's not the most rewatchable in the world, but um, you could definitely, definitely watch it again. Did you agree with Chloe Moretz that he was more of a Robert than a Bob? I do agree. Yeah, I do agree. Jack, what do you think? Rewatchable? Um, yeah. No, I'm gonna go with no. I'm actually gonna nail my colours to the yeah. mask. This is the I swear this is the first film you've said isn't rewatchable. That yeah, the equaliser. This is disrespect on another level. But I he's, what, he's taking crank over this. No, I, I, I <laughs> let that sink Keenan, in. Keenan, he called Mad Max rewatchable. No, I, sure I've rewatched that's one Mad of the Max worst a few times. times. <laughs> that's one of the worst but takes I've ever. <laughs> I've got down in my notes here. It's like a gory Home Alone because. It's all these different that ways. That's like he... an unreal film. <laughs> exactly. No, it is. And that makes it good. I enjoyed watching it. I just don't know if I'd watch it again. That's the only thing I'm saying here. Would um, you say Home Alone's rewatchable? Yeah, I rewatched that every year. But I have to choose Fuck. which one that I watch. Fuck no. Um, but yeah, the only thing that I was disappointed about when he's in the DIY was... He didn't use the paint mixer. You know that thing that like, shakes it around kind of thing? I, rec- I reckon there's a weapon to be had there. He put someone's head in one of those paint He didn't mixers. want to go full home alone, I guess. <laughs> those are big blokes to be chucking into a machine. I'm well, not sure he like, thought that about him. If, if he like, knocks one unconscious and then sticks their head in that paint mixer and it just wobbles them around at like, vigorous speed. I can't you, know what, neck. you know when the kid's at his uh, store burns and then Denzel goes to check on him and he says do you need a hand do you think that was one of them where he's thinking like please don't say yes yeah. and he's like well yeah hey, go and ch- just check with my broom straight away and he's thinking oh no and the, another another point that I've got in as well for, for this film is for contract killers they walk towards him a lot when they're in the advantageous position of having a gun at range like the one that workman in the cafe um, he's got him on like on toast essentially he's got a gun on him and he walks over to his table and allows himself to be disarmed same when they're in the um... at, at that point though they don't know how dangerous he is they well, just see an old an old man 
well, even when in the in the restaurant, they know that he's killed like four of his pals, but they also do know they know it's him at that point, or they, and they're not just yeah. shoot, they're just taking the hunch. Yeah. I swear, no, they know it's no, him. No, they know it's him by that point. He, they've, yeah. he's already met. They they've spoken of him there, and then they're like, look. And he says, yeah, there's something him. about this guy. Yeah, plus mm. as well, where in the original scene when he goes into the office upstairs and kills the Russian gangsters, he the guy with the actual pistol walks towards him as he's kicking off, whereas. If he just ran away like the cops do in GTA and just stood in the corner and shot him, then this film wouldn't have happened and they wouldn't have had a problem. I think if we put logic into villains, we're wiping out almost every action movie in nine true. Star Wars films. That is true. If we go on to... That's actually what I had in my notes, funny enough, that all the stormtroopers <laughs> run towards the Jedi when their only weapon is a sword. Like, they won't try and find cover, they'll just run aimlessly gormously towards him like oh no you haven't seen the Mandalorian so I want the second series I want Equalizer yeah. 3 we're just going to give Denzel a lightsaber <laughs> that is something I'd rewatch <laughs> um, best quote not loads Keenan said not a big week but I still think there's some in Equalizer you didn't think there was many did you Keenan no progress not perfection just quite like that just quite like when you pray for rain you got to deal with the mud too I like yeah, that one got that I think my favourite one was when he's locked Hopper from Stranger Things in the car <laughs> and he goes before you say you won't talk and then just presses the button to close the window it's gasling uh, I also like um, <clears throat> what do you say at the same time oh it's just something about um... oh I don't have a lot of he's walking away yeah he says uh, I have a lot of time which means you don't have any and then he yeah. presses the thing yeah. Yeah. and then goes <laughs> to walk up the Actual, best quote. Sorry, sorry, man. I was going to say, um, the my favourite quote is, uh, when he's in the restaurant, he's talking about, or he, sorry, he's on the phone, he's talking about talking about his wife. He's like, look, my, like my wife died, and I always promised I'd not go back to being that person, but for you, I will make an exception. This is after he's killed fucking seven or eight people. What a threat <laughs> that is. That's unreal. The I thought the best was him. He sits down next to the body and says your heart's beating three times a normal rate you're losing so much blood about 30 seconds your body's going to shut down you're going to suffocate Alina the girl you beat half to death her life will go on you're just going to end right here on this funky floor over 9800 you should have <laughs> taken the money and then he starts counting 26 27 I'm yeah, sorry I didn't realise that was the method of counting 27 1000 1000 1, for, for it to be a second Never had anyone do that before. I can't think what word it was. Was it elephant you got told in school? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, elephant or Mississippi as the American yeah. one. But yeah, same thing. This, I also think just as a... This funky sorry, floor. Funky carpet. I think threats delivered over a phone in film is so much better than threats given in person. <laughs> like heat. There's a thing in heat where uh, De Niro says... Uh, he, he's talking to William Fitcher. Um... And he's talking about, you better hang up. Oh, I'm going to hang up the phone. Um, and he's like, oh, he says there's a problem with the phone. He says, yeah, because I'm talking to a dead guy on the other end of this one. Great yeah. threat. Did you think it was a bit heat heat style, them having the chat across the table in the restaurant? A little bit. Uh, I do also, the at that entrance into that scene where he just sticks the, gla- the broken glasses on. He's like, yeah, he ain't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he, won't be, he won't be back. I, I quite like that. you got to be who you are in this world, no matter what. 
big fan of it's only a little thing, but it was just said thing I texted you last night by the books he's reading when he's describing the theme. Yeah. Just describes the themes of the films. Where he says the the old man met his great greatest adversary when he thought that, that that part of his life was over. What do you want? I want the head of the snake. Mm. And he says, What do you gain from my death? And he just says, Peace. And there was all the quotes I had down, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, who I am or what I am. Who I am is complicated. What I am is easier. I am a threat. I alter outcomes. That's yes, what I want my striker to be saying. Pre-match <laughs> interview on a Sunday. I am a threat. I alter outcomes. Timo uh, says that. He bags a hat trick. I <laughs> <laughs> also I imagine that would sound fucking mint in German as well, funnily enough. <laughs> Don't know why. Just think it would. Um, he says uh, when they're in the restaurant scene as well, he says, uh, you asked what I saw when I looked at you. What do you see? What do you see when you look at me? And just gets up and walk walk away. Yeah. Best moment slash scene. Can anything top the first moment that Denzel gets called into action? Yeah. The the DIY scene. The, well, the oh, end. It doesn't end. top it for me. I messaged Keenan saying, "Message me after you've seen that first scene because you're going to be gassed on another level." The first level. scene is good. Uh, I'll give you that. I actually like just for how ruthlessly efficient it is. Jack mentioned it when he's in the when he's in the diner and he just fucking takes that book straight out of the game. Oh, yeah. It lasts what six That's seconds. Gets yeah. up, comes near him, bang bang, head off the table, book on the neck. He's on the floor. Sayonara. With them watching um, from the car as well, and he just walked yeah. past, puffing them pics on his phone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my I've got four written down. The restaurant talk is bottom. Hardware cafe fight. Hardware store fight, and then I actually agree with Byron. That first one, when you see him go for the first time, I think that's the best one. When he puts the little timer on his watch. Yeah. And he, he's got minus in nine seconds for the amount of seconds that he held the corkscrew in the bloke's face. I didn't. I didn't take it down because some of these um, interviews we've done do make you second guess some of the trivia you see. But they say that the Denzel Denzel spent a considerable amount of time speaking with people that actually have OCD to kind of pick up maybe the, the ticks and the, the habits and things so he wasn't just clutching at straws, acting the I, wrong way and making sure he represented it properly. I just couldn't see Denzel doing that. I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say I can see it because he's quite committed. You can find, like, if you have a look at sort of films, he does... He, I mean, he is Denzel Washington. He is just that fucking naturally good. He could just turn up. That's, that's Denzel, my thing. I see it being as, like, your gun for hire. Like, you give him the job... He'll, he'll read his notes on, on, on the way, like in uh, Call of Duty, where you have a little cutscene when you're in the car and you just have to read yeah. the notes and then go in and do the mission. And then he's yeah. just, that's me, I'm money, I'm done. See, I know you're, you're saying that as a compliment. I imagine if he... Yeah, yeah. That, and he, and he, yeah, I know you are. I'm not like digging you. I know you mean that in like the best way possible. I imagine if you sub that to him, he'd probably be like, fucking hell, I'll put a lot of work into this. Um, but I do... He just seemed I, one of them where you could tell him like, You've got to you be could give him any a six-year-old girl who's just had her toy taken off her and he'd give you the most convincing yeah. role that you're going to see from someone of that size. He could genuinely, and I just don't say this as an exaggeration, he could genuinely be the best actor on the planet currently. There's a, there's a good clip, which this isn't demonstrating his acting skills, but um, NBA Tonight, and they're all egging him on to do the speech from training day, as, as we did last week. Mm. and he gives them the Pelican Bay and all sorts, just mm-hmm. laughing along to himself as he does it with Shaq egging him on. 
It's a weird one, as you mentioned, Shaq. Saw, saw a video of Shaq and uh, Michael Phelps having a sw- having a swimming race earlier. <laughs> I imagine uh, Shaq won, surely. Um, it was very. It was a lot closer than people thought. People were talking, obviously, Michael Phelps being the best swimmer ever, or Olympic swimmer ever, with like thirteen gold medals. Yeah. Shaq put some put some work in, mate, and he was <laughs> he was about it. He was about it in that pool. Your favourite scene. Um... The D- the DIY store, Jack. Yeah, definitely. If if, if you're in uh, we said B and Q or something, you see Jack walking any anytime soon. Just get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the couple of notes I had down was first of all always rough when a film opens with a classic alarm clock. I just get the PTSD of when it wasn't my phone and I have to actually get out of bed to turn the alarm clock off. Horrible sound. It's a good trick. I keep my Another phone. Thing far enough away so I have to get out of bed to stop yeah, in the morning. it is good it is good in films whenever they show someone washing up you're supposed to think like you're proper impressed like they're the most organised and disciplined guy which is literally what they're trying to set up with Denzel is to show that he's kind of obsessive and everything's neat and tidy as if he isn't just washing up after himself <laughs> and they only do this in films when they're trying to kind of show that side of someone it just it's so stupid but anyway if we go on to the categories and we will see if we've got an all Denzel matchup in round two or if uh, John McClane makes his way through to take on training day. So, Keenan, I'll start with you. Which film did you prefer? Die Hard. Die, die Hard 3, mate. Sean? Uh, die Hard. Jack? Die Hard. I agree. Uh, Keenan, which did you think was more rewatchable? Die Hard. Jack? Die Hard. Sean? Die Hard. I'm, I actually think The Equalizer might be more rewatchable for me. Hmm. The, the point when I think Die Hard has about 20 minutes left, it, it has about an hour left, and I enjoy it nonetheless, but it, it feels a bit longer for me. So if I was going rewatchability, I think The Equalizer as that's much more of a background film for me. Um, best quote, Keenan? Uh, I am going to give it to that from the restaurant scene, where he says, uh, I promised my wife I would not go back to being that person, but for you, I will make an exception. Sean? Uh, for me, it's Die Hard. Uh, and, and the quote... The quote I like is where um, Samuel Jackson says, you mean I'm in this shit because some white cop threw some white asshole's brother <laughs> off the roof? Jack? Uh, I'm going with the restaurant scene. Same as Keenan. I think that was my favourite one out of the two. And mine's the first killing that Denzel does in The Equalizer. Funky floor. Um, Keenan, best moment slash scene. Yeah, it's that first equaliser fight, mate. I agree with you. Sean? I'm equaliser as well. For either that one or the DIY scene. The store scene. Yeah. DIY scene for me. Sean, we'll, we'll ask you because I know uh, your definitions. Who's the MVP this week? It's got to be the equaliser for me. By Sean's definition, I, I do agree. Less help. This, yeah. is, a, this is a one-man army. Keenan, what about you? 
Uh, yeah, I actually do agree. It's he, he's out there, but he's out there putting in the work on his own. Samuel L is a worthy, worthy ally for John McLean. Yeah, yeah, same here. Imagine the dark twist was Denzel was just after the Moret's cheeks the whole time. Oh Jeez man, Christ, man, <laughs> what's wrong with you? I actually texted Byron yesterday to say, look, you know how old she was when this film was made. Yeah, just, but in the film, just, I mean, like so in the film, steer across the line. In the film, she she's literally a hooker. If Denzel was just looking for a cheap one the whole way through, genuinely, if it turned out because she's supposed to be far, she's supposed to be a like young teenager in the film. Yeah. Isn't that? Although she does get a job at the end of it, so I'm not sure what age she's supposed to be. Just not that not that, that makes a difference, but genuinely, just thinking. I was because I was, was going she, through the film, thinking how film. how how little you'd think of Denzel just weighing it up. No, because I, I was like I was thinking she's like fourteen, fifteen. I think this is rough. And then she was like, "Yeah, I've got a job." And I was like, "Well, you I reckon must be she's old. probably in the film similar age to what she is in real life." Okay, no, so she's fair. probably late seventeen, young eighteen. Okay, but who knows? I'm just a poor attempt at humour. Um, most menacing villain, Keenan Simon says Jack. I mean, the one that I'm least going to want to come up against is probably the, the Russian dude. However, Simon says he's trying to, bl- like, threaten to blow up schools. Yeah, so, I, c- I completely agree with you. Like... That Russian bloke, so he's the Pushkin. He's, he's, he's a fucking apple. He just looks... He's, he's got that classic actor movie villain look. Pushkin, the, the actual villain, is nothing. Does nothing in the film. He's, oh, he makes no, a couple of phone no, calls. The guy, the guy who's sent to clear up the mess. Oh, yeah. the man Nikolai. Yeah. yeah, Nikolai. The one who's nah. like beats that guy to a pulp just and just lets loose. Like, one of my few regrets about Simon Says is that you don't really see him get his hands dirty. It's just a great serial killer name, isn't it, really? Yeah. But I think it's more menacing Simon Says because his overall plan is a lot worse. Yeah, but he does. But the one, I'm, but the one I'm com- I don't want to come up against is Nikolai. Simon Says also loses that little bit of menace, little bit of menace, because when they're on the boat, he's like, oh, I wouldn't have actually blown up a school. I'm not a monster. He's just that a rapper. Is... Sometimes I happen to wear it for monsters. But nonetheless, I still think he's quite a menacing villain. Do you know, Jeremy Irons complained about the haircut they made him have in the film. He said, rather than looking villainous, he looked like someone who's just having a midlife crisis. Yeah, it's not a great lid, is it? Very 80s boy band for me. Was, was, what about was, you, Sean? Uh, yeah, Simon Says for me as well. Best side character, I guess... The, the question here is what do you, what you count Samuel L. Jackson as in this film? You count him main I character or is Die Hard, Die Hard and John McClane's your main character? You I don't think you can give... Character. Yeah, I agree with Sean. I think you can't have... You can't really have him as a side character, can you? He's in far Who, too much of the film. Who's your best side character then, uh, Keenan? Um, sorry, I've just got to reopen my notes. I actually put down your man Ralphie, the security guard, as one of the <laughs> that's, right, that's my <laughs> great guy. Yeah, it's the same. Well, um, comes back at the end uh, as well when he says, oh, he said to leave no one behind. It's like, what a good bloke. Yeah, hero. I mean, does Nixie after that. But, oh, no, he, he, he switches off the power, the, the, the circuit breaker as well, so he does help. Or switches yeah. it on, sorry. Yeah, I'll g- give it to the big man. Him putting his weight in that tube of Pringles. Did he eat them Pringles after? <laughs> I'm not having eaten them, but... them Pringles. <laughs> You'd have eaten them before, wouldn't he? So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, once you, once you pop, so he hasn't got that one. Um, Anyone know what flavour they were? I didn't, didn't, didn't clock it. Ready salted. Yeah. Nah. 
bang average from him. Let's piss for this isn't if he is going to eat him. He's what's been your, on this diet. He's what's your Pringles, Pringles Uh Me, personally, Texas barbecue. Maybe a no, paprika. Get a bit sickly paprika. after a while. Paprika. Uh, paprika. Paprika. Wow, chef's kiss. It is great. Unbelievable. It's very good, to be fair. Yeah. I also like, um, Joe, you get the Walker's Max, the Ridge ones. They're yeah. paprika ones. They're class. Well, we're talking strictly uh, Pringles there. But we I do agree. Just, we strolled onto the subject of paprika, yeah. so. Probably agree. Good condiment. Spice, not a condiment. Thank you. Anyway, action per minute, Jack. I'm giving it to Die Hard. Just constant action, really. It wasn't really a long. There was like little bits here and there to build the story. But you're right, very man on fire with the equaliser. Kind of not a lot happened, and then it all happened. Keenan? Yeah. Just cop, like basically just copy and paste what Jared just said. <laughs> Sean? Uh, yeah, just copy and paste what Jack said and then. How about Keenan said? <laughs> Keenan oh. just accidentally left the call, so I'm, maybe Sean's tilted him this week. <laughs> <laughs> just getting back. Keenan, did Sean tilt you? <laughs> you there, Keenan? Yeah, I am sorry. I did the thing where I touched the. We thought, we thought Sean had tilted you. No, no, no. No, I was chuckling to myself and then it went quiet. And just an interesting one for you, the last song I had on my shuffle apparently was Michael Bublé. So that came roaring <laughs> into my ears. Which, what song? Uh, You're Nobody Till Somebody Loves You. I, I, I always listen to um, the It's a Beautiful Day just thinking of South Park episode. <laughs> my lovely wife. Um... I, I agree uh, with Action for a minute too. Kel Count went to Die Hard by two. I thought, no, it was Equalizer, wasn't it? It was went to Equalizer, right? Die Hard at 26 to 24 for. Uh, uh, sorry, I was thinking oh, okay. because Jack had got closest with the guests. That's what, right, yeah. Yeah, 26 to 24. Um, okay. I do have the breakdown somewhere if anyone doubts it, but it'll take me a minute. Um, no, no, you can. Most creative use of weaponry. Um, tough to go against equalizers for this one, isn't it? You've got a multitude of them. The corkscrew probably being my favourite. Uh, see, I was I was real torn on this. There's so many. I actually, I think I've got six written written down. The cans in the um, microwave were good as well. Cans in the microwave. I also I don't know why I'm just a sucker for someone getting battered with a book. Same reason I love it in John Wick Three. Um, the barb the barbed wire and the cement noose. That's fucking horrific. Um, he just he absolutely rips him up with that barbed wire and then just drops it with what looks like cement and just kills him that way. Um, nail gun, obviously. What about you, Jack? I'm giving it to the paint in the microwave. Oh, the drill as well. No, it's not that creative, but I do like the fact that they don't show it. Just hear it and he drops. Quite like the way it was shot. Yeah. Sean? Um, yeah, it's the same equaliser. I think I'll go for the book though, because I do enjoy that. I love it. Best soundtrack, Keenan? I don't really have an answer for you, mate, honestly. I don't think either of them particularly good. You've got some uh, Tchaikovsky in there, the equaliser. Yep, brilliant. As you, you've known me for a very long time, and uh, in any one of those conversations, has my love for cla- classical music <laughs> ever slipped out? <laughs> I do know your love for Moby, though, and you've got some Moby in the equaliser. What? 
Never once said that to him in my life. I think uh, um, yeah, the soundtrack to um, Die Hard it was when you know when it when it kicks in at the end. All I had in my head was Fernando Torres, Liverpool's number nine. This <laughs> <laughs> is all that was in my head as it was playing. It, was that in the credits? Yeah, in the credits. Yeah, because it was spinning me out because I left it playing and the tune. I was like, "Where's this coming from?" <laughs> I'll give it to the equaliser. I, I, I know they licensed the Eminem track "Guts Over Fear," which you hear playing as the film ends. And uh, any film you they call overscored, I quite liked it. Jack. Yeah, I'll give it to the equaliser. I think. Sean. Uh, die hard for me. Have I asked you, Keenan? What, Sandra? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have an answer for you. <laughs> Are you going to give me one, or have I just not taken an answer? The equaliser. Stick with you, Keenan. If I not die out on that basis, I will be very upset, but nonetheless. I'll stick with you, Keenan. Originality. You've got a sequel against a TV show. You do. Individual aspects. Oh, do we crazy? How much of it is original as opposed to just being creative? Much of it, not much of it is ultimately very unique. Um, I was trying to work Yeah, I was trying to work it out last night, and I still can't do it. I'm, I'm going, I'm going for Die Hard. I mean, all the things I like about the Equalizer are things that I've seen in other action films before. Just, yeah, just doing it again, and I guess it's, it's an original take on Die Hard, somewhat in that it's not confined to one space in the Die Hard One. Well, you can find to the plaza, you can find to the airport in the second uh, Die Hard. So I quite like um, the way they went about it in the third one. So Die Hard 3 will be my pick for originality. Um, yeah, Sean? same for me. But again, like Keenan said, it wasn't really, it's not, not overwhelming. You could potentially go either way. But Do we have a pick yet from you, Keenan? Yes, I'll give it. I'll give it die off three, but I will. I do have. I do actually have. I finally worked out the reason. I think. I think the originality. The, it's basically Simon says that swings it for me. Yeah. Have I asked you, Jack? I'm getting myself mixed up. No, you haven't. But I yeah. agree with Keenan. For the same reasons, like the fact that there was two jeopardies. There was the heist and the bomb threat to the schools and. I think that that was good. Um, bigger impact, Keenan. Die Hard Three. I, I remember. That I I don't really remember. It's only like the last couple of years. I realise it's only like five six years old. But it's only what's what's been coming up to seven. I don't really remember the Equaliser being like hyped about much about before, and then people are, oh it's good it's good. Never quite reached John Wick levels for me. Um. Probably would have been bigger if John Wick doesn't come out the same year. It's almost like people have taken a choice between them as to John Wick yeah. going to be the one here. Yeah, it might be right. You might might well be right. And I don't. I do prefer John Wick, but it's not. Is it? It's not head and shoulders. It's not like a million miles above the Equalizer, is it? No, Actually, it's like you, you're not gonna you're not gonna release like Mike and I'm thinking of a basketball film but that is Space Jam <laughs> yeah there you go Space Jam in the same mm. two months or whatever because yeah. you're kind of leading your audience in the same way so yeah 
and you're making when they're out at the same time or very close to the same time you're making people will make a choice won't they um, we said it go and see both. Die Hard was the highest grossing film worldwide in 95 not just in America so yeah, I'm still shocked by that I need to have a yeah, casino have... casino and heat came out in fucking 95 there's, there's a stat you can look at where it wouldn't it, it wasn't in the top I'm going to say three for the year in America and so it was quite unique in that the film that didn't top the box office in the US can then top the worldwide market. So it showed how well the franchise carried overseas. I wonder where it did big numbers overseas. Well, they 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 cut um, about 15 seconds out of the movie in various places um, to make sure it had a 15 rating over here, over here mm. because they really wanted to max out on it. So that probably helped. Yeah, very true. I think they, I think they took out um, the sex scene that wasn't the sex scene, and they took out some swearing. I think because I think back then there may have been a limit as to how many you could use, like they have now. But anyway, they got it down to a fifteen rating, and so it did. It did nice numbers over here. Hmm. So Dard would be would be my pick there for for impact. Um, Jack? Yeah, Die Hard. It's, it's Die Hard, isn't it? I think the test I put on this is if you mention The Equalised, someone will mention Die Hard, someone's going to have heard of Die Hard more. Uh, Sean? Uh, yeah, Die Hard. Um, ending, Keenan. The Equalizer. I'm going to go the opposite way to you there. I'm not a huge fan of both endings. I think both felt anticlimactic for what they were. I don't think either. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think either. Uh, mint, but the equaliser ties it up nice enough. Actually, I'd forgotten the uh, bit with the shower and the equaliser. I'm thinking that it kind of ends uh, in the DIY store. So uh, no, I, I will change my mind. I'm going to go for the equaliser. Yeah, uh, yeah. There is the he gets his final revenge, and then he's just strolling down the street. Yeah. Um, Sean. Uh, die hard for me. Uh, Jack? Um, going equaliser for ending. Okay, and then finally, chemistry. Keenan? Diod. Sean? Yeah, I think this is the only answer for this one. Uh, Jack? Yeah, Diod, definitely. I agree, let me just total this up. Not a single tie this week. So it's, it's, it's 8 7 again. In favour of Die Hard Three, the last the last one uh, took the victory. So, but Die Hard would have won it on the tiebreaker anyway. So, uh, got over the line there. Had that safety bracket. Before we let you go, um, Jack and Sean, I assume, like me and Keenan, to do our last bit. Uh, Let you get away if you wish. Yes, please. that is going to take Daha with a Vengeance into round two. So we don't get the Denzel versus Denzel round two clash, but we do get training day against Daha with a Vengeance. So uh, nice. maybe my favourite matchup of the second round so far. Mm. Very nice. Wouldn't argue against that being the final. But we'll let you go and me and Keenan uh, will do what we do, Keenan. Exactly. Make magic. Oh, 
Ceramic. Ceramic. Tilted Sean again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what I will say, Keenan, the, the pressure is on a bit here. Um, if Why? you disconnect again, then you are going to cut off the call. So <laughs> oh, really? make sure you're uh, delicate with them headphones. Oh, was that just, how do you know that? Well, only two oh, of course, yeah, so. sorry, yeah, it's only, only be you, wasn't it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Marvel. It's all right, but points to consider. Last couple of bits. Real star of the film, I think Equalizer's pretty clear. Is there an argument that Samuel L. Jackson takes the real star of the film for Dial, or is uh, Bruce Willis' power too strong? Plot-wise or performance-wise? Performance. If you if you think of Dial 3, who are you, I think you, who you Samuel Think Samuel is that because but it's I, a I different, differentiating factor between the diehards, or is it because yeah. that is part of it? Because if someone says, "Oh, diehard three," like, uh, oh, Samuel Jackson, <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Oh yeah, no, I know that one." It's like um, it's one of the lethal weapons. My dad always used to do it as well. Oh, I can't remember who, whoever it was. Not Joe Pesci because he's in a couple of them. There is someone in one of the first three, and that's who would be talking about a lethal weapon. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, this one. Um, but I also think he is very, very good in this. Bruce that's what John I was saying, uh, saying earlier that this, he, he said himself here that this is the one that's kind of most like his character. Mm-hmm. And then you can very much see the, the turning point where he becomes less picky with his roles. Mm. And he is just a caricature of himself, and he just he's just willing to do anything. Yeah, Kingsman really. Like I, I know people like that film, and I know we did it on the pod. But someone of his caliber should he be in that? I don't know. I I I think he sh- he should in that, and I don't think I think that's him just playing the role well for what it's supposed to be, rather than him just. I can oh. say I think he was probably quite excited to do that when you compare it to some other ones. He's done. He has done some very, very bad ones. There was one where he was a cop and it turns out he's trying to kill his neighbour. That was, wasn't very good. When he snakes um, on a plane, says, says, says a lot for himself. Yeah, no, you, you are you are right. Um, I do, do think he is very good in this. He did Triple um, X, he did Kong, he Skull did Island. Hitman's Bodyguard, I actually quite like. Um, Should still be in the category we're talking about, but I do actually happen to like the film. Wildcard pick. Hmm. What's that? Plot thickens. What is, what it? is? Hitman's Hitman's bodyguard oh, should be like oh. a wild card pick? Yeah, oh, sorry, I thought what well, he said. Yeah, it, I thought there was a film called Wild Card oh, Pick, oh, and I was thinking, what the fuck is that? Yeah, no, it's fine. I just popped in my head. Then don't think it will be. I can't remember what I said to you about my wild card. Not sure. No, I think but, I said um, just just having a look on his just having a look on his list. But in the same vein, have I ever said to you about? Um, I read an interview with Al Pacino. And they were like, oh, like the, obviously, what happened? They were quite like, brutal, really, when he's consider it's Al Pacino. They were talking about the changing quality of films, and he was just like, yeah, I know. And they were like, oh, right, well, what, what do you mean? And he said he likes to try and take on. Yeah. He's made enough money. We... He's got enough awards, and he said he likes to try and turn bad films into something better. Yeah. I think we did that. I think we said about that. With That's my boy, and we were talking about Jack and Jill. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. Because he definitely didn't succeed there. I don't think. Um, no, I don't think there's anything you can do to that film to make it an actually an actual good film. Fan theories or kind of sequels. I said that there's another Die Hard sequel in the works, and there's also a Die Hard prequel in the works. So Bruce Willis is uh, getting his money's worth there. 
Um, I'm more excited for the prequel. Depends on the sequel. Don't know, a bit of backstory. I quite like that. I do do quite like it. Um, it's like the the training day sequel uh, prequel. Now that I'm aware that it's a thing, I'm very excited. Especially as Antoine Fuqua is doing it as well. Um, and then in terms of uh, Equalizer Three, um, when they last asked Antoine Fuqua about it, he said, uh, "Personally, I'd love for it to happen. I mean, the audience has spoken, so hopefully, I'll continue to do well in life. Sony's brought it up and talked about it. It'd be great to do it again. It'd be great to do it again with Denzel." Um, I'm looking forward to the Equalizer 3 if that happens. I would love for it to take place internationally. I think Denzel would be a great James Bond-type character. Um, I'm talking about a lot of different things. I've got some things on developing and roles I'd like him to play. Normally, that's how it works with him. I'm dreaming him up as a cowboy or something, and then I've got to go pitch it to him. <laughs> he has played so a cowboy. Sounds, yeah, before Anton Fuqua. Did he? Yeah, he did... Um, what was it called? Um, Magnificent, Magnificent Seven. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, the remake. Yeah, Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. Oh shit! Sorry, I didn't yeah. know. That. Hey, this guy. Hey, geez, he's yeah. got some absolute fire, isn't he, Antoine Fuqua? Yeah, he's Doesn't one where about he he did politely decline uh, interview. I'm not saying that that's a doggy me because I mean mm. you look down what he's doing on IMDb. He's got like five films in production, um, and he does seem to be that. He's just doing all sorts. What's he got uh, coming out? Shovel it. We'll see what we think. Man who made it snow. The true story of Max Mermelstein, a Jewish hotel engineer who transformed a small mom and pop drug organization into a billion dollar enterprise known as the Medean Cartel. Yep, I will be watching that. So, um, do you want another football score or not? Uh, Tottenham scored. No. Oh, no, no. Oh, cool. No one else such a perfect result here. Chelsea, Chelsea is good. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, it's just come out. Huh, Jorginho. What a boy. Doesn't miss pens. I do, I do love his pens. He, he got rid of a run up. Oh, I, I haven't got you it on, mean. to be honest, mate. Um, other ones he's got. Yeah, he did Southpaw as well, if you didn't know that, by the way. Do you know, I've never seen that. And he was a producer on Brooklyn's Finest. Do like that. Other ones he's got. Rob Peace. Story of an inner city New York kid who attends Yale and ultimately succumbs to the harsh economic realities and the demons of his past. Uh, there's too many, and most of them he's just a producer on. So. Yeah, that's fine. Actually, the guilty, what's this? A demoted police officer assigned to a call dispatch desk is conflicted when he receives an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman. I mean, I'm interested to know. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to know why he's conflicted. <laughs> yes. It sounds like he should probably go and help. Yeah. <laughs> My guy Bill Burr in that as well. He's no Jake Gyllenhaal, is he? The goat. Bill, Bill Burr, honestly, fucking unreal. So, so um, funny. Infinite. A man discovers its hallucinations are actually visions from past lives. With Mark Wahlberg, Christ me. That could be brutal. Say that again, sorry. A man discovers that his hallucinations are actually visions from past lives, with Mark Wahlberg as the lead. Well, as long as they don't do it about Mark Wahlberg's actual past lives. <laughs> probably really a great film. <laughs> uh, not sure how much I need to see any more hate crimes, mate. <laughs> no. Um, Jason Manzoukas. Yep. Recasting one role. Hmm. 
Um, Gerard Butler, as I don't, I wouldn't wouldn't personally do it, but I do see it. I do do genuinely just see it, see that working very well. Um, Lawrence Fishburne as well, I think would actually give. No one, everyone already said they weren't a fan. Um, I'm not saying he'd do a better job, but I could, again, I could really see it. I could see him playing Zeus. I'm trying to I think, think who I'm thinking of. As far as the guy what was his after. name? Uh, Nikolai. Is that, that the guy the guy was tracking down yes. Robert McCall? Yeah. Swap him with uh, Benicio del Toro. Nice. Sicario style. Yeah. Mm, sure. I get that. Wasn't as sold on that film as everyone else, which no, does no, seem to be a very unpopular opinion. I really quite. I didn't gunk. But I, I did enjoy it. I watched the second at the cinema with you. Yeah, I watched the first at the cinema in Australia, actually, weirdly. Um, I recast the Die Hard. We know. It's probably Jeremy Irons' role if I was going to recast anyone. But I can't think of anyone that I would replace him with, so. I wouldn't mind it. I know he he wouldn't have the air, but I wouldn't mind seeing my guy Mark Strong. Mark Strong have a go at it these days. (laughs) Ah, I'm very surprised, actually. Because he, even though he's Swedish, he plays a Russian in like seven out of ten of the things I've seen him in. Uh, is Peter Stormare as your guy, um, Pushin? Oh, it's from Prison Break. Maybe. He plays the Russian villain in Bad Boys 2 and so many other things. Plays yeah, the half Russian villain in 22 Jump Street, the guy who sounds he's, Russian. He's John Abruzzi in uh, Prison Break. That's what you know, most you will know probably him. know him as. Oh, okay. I've never seen Prison Break, so that means nothing to me. You need to rectify that. Um, if you had to add Tom Cruise or The Rock to this movie, which would you choose? For me, it's going to be Tom Tom Cruise in Die Hard and The Rock in The Equalizer. I just can't really see The Rock in The Equalizer and Die Hard unless he's replacing that just mountain of a villain that's scrapping mm. Bruce Willis. Yeah, it, they, no, it has no true. right to win. <laughs> yeah, you, it, it, it is true. Um, Tom Cruise in the Equalizer. I don't think it works. I, I don't really. Th- I don't think it works at all. Um, I know you've said the opposite, but I'm not sure about Tom Cruise going in there. The I'm Rock. Having Tom, I'm having Tom Cruise in Die Hard. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I sort of. So yeah, sorry. I suppose I'm leaning the same way. The Rock. The Rock in the Equalizer. It doesn't really work in either. No, but... you are right. The Equalizer is the more eccentric film, I guess, but he also yeah. defeats the point of a kind of an erring man that goes un, un, under the surface mm-hmm. and The Rock isn't going under the surface anywhere, even if In he any was, walk of life. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair. No Rex Ryan Hall of Fame inductees this week. No. So I believe that just about does us. Next week, we've got probably the biggest star clash so far. Um, in Inception against Never Back Down. Yeah. Got some thoughts for you on, on Inception. Well, if his thoughts on Never Back Down and they're negative, I'll be throwing virtual hands. I'm telling you. <laughs> Start warming up, then, Papa. Start training. You don't like some... Never Back Down? I don't. Not like it. I just have I... some things to say. I uh, I'm I not going to like it. I won't, obviously, because as you well know, I know absolute zero about fighting, so I won't really, I won't make any comments on anything that happens within the octagon or any of the fight scenes, because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I will. I'm trying. I'm trying to get the fight coordinator from it onto the pod, but 
struggling. That's awesome. Yeah, he's done. We, uh, films, was Chad, Chad Zelinsky did some fight coordination, didn't he? Yeah. Great speaking to him. And Good guy. Um, my man Drew Leary was on there. That's oh, his yeah, official I, job. Yeah, I missed that. I wasn't there for that. No, but on YouTube for those that want to. For those who haven't seen it, please give it a and check out. As I said on Monday's podcast, we do have an interview that came out on Wednesday with Kit Gurry from Edge of Tomorrow. If you want to hear about Tom Cruise doing uh, Bon Jovi karaoke, if you want to hear about apparently what a legend of a bloke Tom Cruise is, then uh, this is the interview for you. And if you want to hear an Australian and an Englishman complain about uh, how our respective countries have dealt with COVID, then it could be the interview for you. But if that's not for you, then you can fast forward those bits. Just give us that click anyway. But that is, that is it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't put COVID in the uh, description purposely. <laughs> I didn't want no, to put people off. You, you, you don't want that spot. Oh, it goes the other way. just want to yeah. just, just, even just people who want a bit of escapism and then they turn it on. The first, first discussion is the first thing, um, Kick says is, uh, he tells Jack about it. He moved back to Australia and he said, oh, how come? And he was like, well, I didn't think being in America um, and a pandemic being dealt with by the host of Celebrity Apprentice was the best thing to do. So I made a snap call and got out of there. Nice. Um, the other thing is about stamping it with COVID, it could go the other way. And we just don't want that smoke. No. You just get some of these people that exist on the internet just <laughs> rage, raging in our comments. We don't need that word. Exactly. So anyway... We'll be back next week to talk about Ryan McCarthy and how he absolutely should have won the beatdown. So we'll get just there. before you we'll go, break it down. Yeah. Uh, what you uh, can't even speak. Sorry. Never back down to one of the worst. That's my last comment. Not great, not great at all. But I mean, we've had a lot of bad sequels that we've spoken about. Um, I'll encourage any everyone to tune in next week, apart from Amber Heard, because. I don't think it's going to be a pleasant episode for her. <laughs> if she doesn't want to get in touch with me beforehand, then <laughs> I can be bought. <laughs> Just don't go near my bedding. But anyway, we'll be back. Goodbye.